Well, today is my last day with you all. Been with you for two years now. It's been delightful and wonderful, and I thank you all. It's been an honor being here. And uh, it's it's very uh, providential, I think, that today we celebrate the feast of Saint Irenaeus, who was the bishop of Lyon. Okay, that, that's uh, and I'm taking up ministerial responsibilities in Lyons. So there's uh, something that Saint Irenaeus and I have in common here. Um, Irenaeus, uh, so maybe what I'd like to speak about today is basically Irenaeus as a pattern of uh, priestly ministry, of ideal priestly ministry, as a model that the priest should follow. Uh, and it's, uh, it's a homily basically uh, reminding myself of what I, I need to be doing. But hopefully it's edifying for all of us together. Irenaeus was a second century um, bishop. Uh, so very ancient, and uh, in fact, he was he's such an ancient saint that he, uh, as a young man, sat at the feet of Bishop Polycarp, um, uh, the Bishop of Smyrna in Asia Minor, and uh, Polycarp himself had been ordained into the ministry by John the Apostle. So we have this really intimate connection between Irenaeus and the Apostles through Polycarp. It's this very close chain and at that point you know the apostolic preaching was was very much uh, still in a kind of an oral form and so Irenaeus is a witness to the apostolic faith and to the apostolic preaching in a very privileged manner uh, he wrote a famous treatise uh, that's referred to now with the Latin term uh, adversus hereses which is you know contra or against various heresies or false doctrines false teachings he wrote that around the year 180, and uh, it's a very thick tome. Uh, it's massive, and it's a very uh, great source for ancient Catholic doctrine and theology. Um, I think uh, the, maybe the one point I'll draw upon, and I probably have preached on this a little bit before, um, is Irenaeus spoke from a tradition into a tradition and at a time when a tradition was rife that was very clear on a single point, and that is that we worship the God of the Old Testament and the New Testament. That the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. The God of the New Testament is the God of the Old Testament. And you cannot separate the Old Testament and the New Testament. Absolutely cannot do that. And this is represented in our creed, the very first line of our creed, when we say, I believe in God, the Father Almighty. That's it. In that one line, the most fundamental line of our faith as Catholic Christians is contained so much. I believe in God, the Father Almighty. These two words, the same God. The Father of Jesus Christ, the Father of the God who comes to us through the New Covenant, through the New Testament, through the Gospel of Jesus, the Father of Jesus, the Father of the Son of God, is the God of the Old Testament, God Almighty. That word God Almighty in Latin is basically omnipotent, God omnipotent. In Greek it's Pantocrator, and it was a traditional title from ancient times designating the God of the Old Testament. So, in the first line of the creed, we're saying we believe that the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. The most fundamental 
heresy is to divide those two, is to say, well, uh, the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament are at odds with one another, and I don't believe in the God of the New Testament, and so I'm going to go back to Judaism. Okay, that's one way you can make a, make a, you know, an erroneous choice with this false dilemma. Or, and this is more prevalent in the history of Christianity, and it's something I think we deal with today, is I don't believe in the God of the Old, there's a, there's a contradiction between the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament. The God of the Old Testament's mean and he's full of wrath and judge, judgment and all this stuff. The God of the New Testament is lovey-dovey and I'm going with him. So forget about the Old Testament. I want, I want the New Testament God. Okay, you see, it's a false, uh, dichotomy though. So we should not separate the Old Testament and the New Testament. We see this in our Gospel. Jesus rebukes the storm and the winds, and he exercises authority over nature, thereby demonstrating that he is, in fact, the God of creation, the same God who created the world that's revealed to us in the Old Testament is the God of Jesus Christ, and in fact is Christ himself. He is the Lord of the flood, and uh, he is the same Old Testament God that comes to us in the Psalms, and the Psalms speak repeatedly about how God is king over the flood and over the storm, and how God rides on the storm, and he's king of creation, and all of that. So Jesus is the God of of nature. He's the God of the Old Testament. Um, and yet, of course, he is Jesus, the Lamb of God, who loves us and is merciful and has, has died for us and has taken away our sins. So uh, what we find is this um, uh, error whereby we say, you know, and this is what the early heresies that St. Irenaeus was combating is what they did is they said, you know, the problem is uh, not sin. Sin is not the problem. That's not the fundamental problem. Jesus is this spiritual teacher who came to reveal to us a secret teaching. These are the heresies called Gnosticism. So Jesus is this kind of Gnostic teacher. He comes to us, and the remedy he brings to us is a secret enlightenment Sin's not the problem. What's the what's the real problem is uh, this kind of lack of knowledge, and so Jesus has come to remedy that problem, and that's that's false. The fundamental problem, the fundamental issue that Jesus came to deal with was sin, and whenever we ignore that, uh, we're heading off in the wrong direction. What starts to happen when I if I come to you as a preacher and I uh, sidestep sin? And I don't talk about sin. And I don't really, you know, speak about it as if that's the real issue, because it is the real issue. Alright. Um, it's, it, I, I present a false gospel. I present an alternative gospel to you, uh, whereby I come to bring you a kind of a secret enlightenment. But what starts to happen is I become the guru. I become the messiah. The minister becomes the, the savior figure. You're gonna, you gotta go to him to get the secret teaching. And there's a kind of an elitism, and it's a it's a red herring, and it's a um, it's a rabbit trail. It's misleading you. But if you focus on the fact that sin is the main problem, I can't help you with that. Jesus 
is the one that can help you with that. And so we keep things Christocentric, we keep things focused properly and rightly, and we turn to him as our Savior, and he's the remedy through his death, through the precious blood that he shed upon the cross. He becomes the solution to the problems that we face in the world, because all the problems we face in the world, international problems, political problems, problems in education, society, everything, family problems, personal problems, the real problem is sin. And Jesus is the solution for that. And so if anybody comes to you preaching a gospel that ignores sin, they're not preaching the gospel that uh, Jesus came to bring us, and they're not bringing the gospel that St. Irenaeus was so faithful to. And uh, so we see sin in the Old Testament. It's focused on a lot, of course, and we learn about God as judge. But the solution to that is not to cut the Old Testament away, not to ignore God as judge. The solution is to turn to Jesus, who has brought us the forgiveness of sins. And as a final way of speaking about this beautiful harmony between the Old Testament and the New Testament, between the God that created the universe, the God of nature, and the God of Jesus Christ, we turn to the liturgy. And we have a beautiful uh, line in the liturgy. During the Eucharist, the priest says, as he's doing the offertory, Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Lord God of all creation. That's the Old Testament God. For through your goodness, we have received the bread we offer you. The bread is from the earth. You see, it's very earthly. So the God of Jesus Christ is the God who created the bread and the earth. It will become for us the bread of life. How much more of a dramatic reconciliation between the God of creation, the God of the Old Testament, and the God of the New Testament can you possibly find? The actual created elements become the Son of God himself in the hands of the priests and then are given to each one of us for uh, our salvation and for the forgiveness of our sins.